We already have a lot of testimonies coming. Some of you already told me, I want you to come and tape it so everyone can see and hear what God is doing among us. And if God begins to bring your manifestation, please, we want to know. It will encourage every one of us. So I really want to encourage you to do that. Because of the response we had during the fast and the prayer time, we are going to continue praying once a week. Our church, we fast every Monday. And so we are going to decide on the first week of February, I'm going to decide if we do on a Monday or if we do a Tuesday, based on some of the things already going on on Monday. But I'll let you all know, a lot of you have said you are going to continue praying. We'll come together on the Zoom. And we'll spend the same 30 minutes once a week. And I can tell you that when we pray as a church, you all can already see the difference just from these 21 days we did. You're learning how to pray. You're learning how to make your decrees. You're learning how to pray scriptures. We are just only going to grow from there. It's going to make you a better Christian. So please make sure that when this starts, everybody gets involved. Please. It's very important. And then I want to encourage you as well to please sign up for small groups. When you come to church on Sunday, we're only here for two hours at the most. You can't get to know people. It's when you go to small groups, the small gatherings, that's when you get to know people. That's when you get to share your heart. That's when they get to know you. That's when you form relationships. So it's very important that you are not just one who comes to church only on Sundays or Wednesdays and that's it. Get to know people. We are not supposed to do life alone. And God has put us here together as a family. And we call ourselves the awesome family, right? Totally awesome family. <laughs> that, was from, that was from Adam. Okay, done with announcements. I'm going to be talking to families today, marriages and families. I don't know how long this will take. Last week, during praise and worship, I had to come up. Because God had put on my heart, and usually I tell you guys, the way God speaks to me is through dreams. And I, I, when I dream, it's, they are typically very vivid. Sometimes God will actually show me faces. And so it just happened that for quite about five days there, some things just happened in the dreams that I knew. I've never really done any family thing in the last two years. I've never done any series on marriage, on relationships, on families. But when God had, you know, started showing me some things, I knew without a doubt this was what he wanted me to do. And it's so funny the way he confirms. Yesterday, or was it two days ago, I got a text from Michelle. Michelle and Todd, they are what really matters, deals with marriage and family. And she sent me a text and it had some things in the text that just confirmed again that this is what God wants us to, to hear in the next couple of weeks. I don't know how long the series will take, but one thing I do know is that if you are a married couple, or if you are divorced, or if you are thinking of getting married, or if you are a young person, we all need to hear this. Because one thing is, marriages, if you know the marriages and the family, especially Christian families as well, are under serious attack. Everything now is focused on defining or redefining what marriage and family is. You all know that divorce is just as high in the church, higher actually, in the church now than it is out there. And so it is important that we go back, even if you've heard some of these things before, sometimes it's good to always be reminded for you to know what we believe and what we stand for. I read something sometime. It says 95% of your life's contentment, of the way you are able to access joy and peace and happiness, 95% depends on who you get married to. Listen to that. That means if you marry the wrong person, the whole life, your whole life after you get married, 95% of the time you will be miserable. And the Bible says in Malachi chapter 2, somewhere there, God says he hates divorce because divorce covers you with garments of violence. And so even if you say, okay, I made a mistake, I need to go away and, and, and leave the marriage. You all know, we've seen it. 
Divorce leaves something in you that goes with you for the rest of your life. And so we teach our children, we teach ourselves, we go to school to learn how to have a career. We go to school to learn how to have a job. We go to school, we do things to start a business, we take time, we plan for the business, we do our our budget, we do our revenue cycle, we do all of that. But for something that would determine your contentment, 95% of your life, I can change a job today. I can change my career today. And it will get better because, well, maybe I just went into the wrong career. But marriage, that 95% of your life depends on, we don't prepare for it. You want to get married, you have maybe three classes or three lessons or three meetings with the pastor, and they tell you about your finances, a little bit about communication, a little bit about sex, and they say, well, go into it. And then you go into it and realize this is so much more than I love you, I can't live without you. Let's look at our foundational scriptures. And so, please, men, today I would kind of focus if I have the time, because I'm going to take my time, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. If I have time, I'll start with the men today. We are going to talk about what covenant is, then what is involved in covenant, and then we'll talk about headship, because the man is the head of the home. No matter how you say about it, God has a design for marriage, and the man is the head of his wife. We're going to talk about what that means, though, because headship is not you commanding everybody around. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18, and then 21 to 25, in the King James. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an helpmate for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from the man made he a woman, and brought her to the man. He made a woman and brought her to the man. He did not make a man to bring to the man. And it was from the rib of a man, not a woman, that he made the woman. So he did not make a woman out of a woman. And Adam said, this is now the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. So if you're a man and you desire to get married, when you get married, who you got married just came to complete you because she's really you. And so that's why the Bible says a man who dishonors and who treats his wife badly actually is doing the same thing to himself because she really came out of you. And you only became complete when she came back into your life. Amen? Therefore, and when you see therefore, it means because of what I've told you before. Therefore, because she was taken out of you and you need to get her back to be complete. Because of that, therefore, shall a man leave his wife, his father, sorry. Shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. The last verse says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So they cleaved together before they were naked. So right there, that just breaks that cohabitation, living together thing. You're not supposed to become naked with each other until you have been joined together in marriage. Hallelujah. And then when you get married... You're supposed to be naked before each other and not be ashamed. A lot of stuff in these scriptures right here. I'm not going to go into too much detail just now. We'll talk later. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 22. He says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So boys, men, you are looking for a wife. You're not looking for a woman. You're not looking for a girl. The Bible says he who finds a wife. The Bible is very clear. So when you're looking for a woman to marry, make sure you're looking for a wife. Don't just look for a girl because she's cute. Don't just look for a girl because she's shaped like a a Coca-Cola bottle. Is that what they say? (laughs) 
Because once she has children, that, that Coca-Cola bottle is no longer, it becomes a sack. It's true. <laughs> I'm serious, guys. I'm serious. So the Bible says, he who finds a wife. He didn't say he who finds a girl or he who finds a cute woman. So make sure you're looking for a wife. There are, materi- there are wife materials out there. And there are mat- women there that are not wife materials. And then it says, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. There's a special kind of favor that the Lord gives a man who finds a wife, not a woman. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So if you're a man married here, you're not ready to die, sacrifice yourself for your wife, just like Christ did, then you need to go back and start doing that. Marriage is not easy. Marriage is not fun. But God knows why he puts husbands and wives together. Because once you understand what marriage really is, that is when you can really enjoy marriage. Because marriage, the Bible calls marriage a mystery. Because it's very hard to understand. And that's why we, if you're a married couple here, if you're planning to get married or if you're single, you need to understand marriage is a mystery. And then in Revelation chapter 12, I think, the Bible also calls the woman a mystery. So you have a mystery inside of a mystery. You're dealing with a mystery and you are inside of a mystery. So it's important for us to understand what marriage is really about. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It says, for this reason, that's Paul speaking, he said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He says, this is a great mystery. Not just a regular mystery, it's a profound, great mystery. He says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's telling you right there that marriage between a man and a woman is a mystery because it portrays what Christ did for the church. Christ, we are the bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom. One day we are going to have the great marriage supper. And he's telling us that the marriage you have on earth here is a great mystery, really, because you are not just looking at a man and a woman. You are looking at Christ and the church. And so your marriage should reflect that. And Christ has his responsibilities and we, the bride, We have our responsibility. And that's what he's telling you. So marriage goes just beyond I love you, let's get married. It's a whole lot more. And if we understand what marriage is, we will have very few, if if no divorces in the church. Because we will understand why we are in need. We are not in need for us to be happy. And I'm coming to that. Your marriage is to show the world what the Christ and the church is supposed to be like. Now, we have another scripture here, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 to 19, the New Living Translation. Talking about marriage being a mystery. It says, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things that I don't understand. One, how an eagle glides through the sky. Two, how a snake slithers on a rock. Number three, how a ship navigates the ocean. And then number four, how a man loves a woman. So you see, it's a great mystery. But the thing again with mysteries in the Bible, like I said when I did the series on the mysteries and principles of the Bible, was that God doesn't hide these mysteries from us. He hides them for us. Because the Bible says the things of God are foolishness to the world. But for us, they are not foolishness. He reveals it to us so that we can enjoy the benefits of those mysteries. Amen? So I'm going to get you all involved in this, uh, in this sermon, this part of it. I'm going to say some, give you some questions about some misconceptions about marriage. And I'm going to see who says yes and who says no, okay? And then I'll tell you, using scriptures, I'll tell you whether you're right or wrong. Number one, marriage will make me happy and complete. 
Yes? How many people say yes? No, I want to see your hand up. Don't do this. I want to see it up. <laughs> yes or no? No is the answer there. Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it says, And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. No man can make you complete. No woman can make you complete. You can only find your completeness in Christ. So everybody, if you're thinking, oh, when I get married, I'm going to be finally happy. If you're miserable now, you're going to be more miserable when you get married. If you're not happy by yourself, if you can't take yourself out to dinner, if you cannot sit down by yourself and tell yourself, buy yourself flowers. (laughs) Marriage is not going to make you more happy or more sad. Number two, marriage magnifies and multiplies your personal issues. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. If you've not healed from trauma, when you get married, get ready. We show more. If you have issues with unforgiveness and offense, guess what? You are going to be more offended because your husband is going to leave the, seat, the toilet seat up. He's going to leave his clothes on the, on the floor. You will really find cause to be offended. Now you're sleeping with the person every night. So marriage magnifies your issues. So that's why if you have issues, take care of it. If you're somebody who has problems with unforgiveness, take care of it before you get married. Those are some of the things we should be teaching. I'm guilty too. We should be teaching the young couples going to get married. If you are easily offended with things, work on that. If you're a critical person, you criticize, work on that. Be very open with yourself and say, you know what, I find fault in a lot of things. When you get married, it's going to be magnified and it's going to cause trouble in your home. So those are the things you work on yourself. Number three, quality people make quality marriages. Yes or no? Yes. Yes, you have to be a quality person. If you have low self-esteem, you think everybody's talking about you, You want your husband to tell you every day, you look beautiful, you look this, you look that. He will be tired of it. And if you're a man, you're very insecure, your wife can only rub your ego so much. So take care of your things. Become a quality person. Become emotionally whole and complete. If you have to go to therapy, go to therapy. We've had couples here who, not here, I won't go, no, let me not go there. (laughs) Trauma and drama is contagious. If you have trauma in your life, something happened to you when you were growing up, please take care of it. Don't make your wife or your husband suffer for what somebody else did to you. If you were divorced before, please make sure you are whole and you've become a quality person. Don't go into marriage when you're still broken. Take time out to heal. Because hurt people hurt people. Complete people complete people. If you are hurt, you are going to destroy your marriage. So when you divorce, you don't have to show your ex-husband or your ex-wife that you're still cute. Another man or another woman can still marry you. And you rush into another marriage until you don't, you're not yet healed. Because even if he doesn't do or she doesn't do anything, have no, she or he wasn't with you when you were married before, but now you have those sunshine, uh, what they call it, glasses on you, and anything they do, you are thinking they are doing what the other person did. They were not even there. They don't know the fight you had. They don't know the issues you had. And so they do every little thing, you just take it back, and you think they are going, they are doing exactly what your ex whatever did. So that's why I say quality people, get back, your, get back to wholeness, get back yourself before you get into another relationship, another marriage. Number four, marriage is a solution to all my problems. Thank you. In fact, marriage itself brings trouble. 
Listen to this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28. It says, but if you decide to marry, you have not sinned. And if a girl who has never married decides to marry, she has not sinned. But those who marry, we have trouble in this life. That's in your Bible. That's there in the Bible. It says, but those who marry, we have trouble in this life. And I want you to be free from trouble. <laughs> and I want you to be free from trouble. So if you think, oh, my husband, if I marry up, my credit card bills will be paid off. Or if I marry, I won't have any trouble anymore. Get ready. That's where your trouble actually starts. Number five, everyone should be married. No. Marriage is not for everybody. There are some people who are very content and very happy to be single. And so don't go around telling people, are you not married yet? You are in your 30s, you are in your 40s. You don't want to get married. They may not want to get married. And it's really not your business. It's really not your business. It's not your, for you to go to every young girl and tell them when they are going to get married. It's not your business. They may decide they don't want to get married. Matthew chapter 19, from the lips of Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, verses 8 to 12. Jesus replied, they were talking about divorce. Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. That is still true. The only grounds for divorce is adultery. And physical abuse, because the Bible says God has called us to peace. It says, I tell you this, however, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples said to him, then, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. <laughs> They're like, if this is the case, no more trouble in marriage. And Jesus says, not everyone can accept this statement. Only those whom God helps. Some are born eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, but some choose not to marry. Listen to that. Some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept these who can. So it's not everybody who desires to get married. Now, marriage is not a contract. Recently, there was a young girl, she's... she's She's actually, she's Nigerian, but very, she's very popular, very big in basketball. And she works for ESPN. And she was getting married. And the, the parents, they, they, they called me. And they said, well, this young man is not doing as well as our daughter. We are just kind of afraid. We would like to have a prenup done. What does the Bible say about that? And I told them, if you're doing that, you're already saying that this marriage is not going to work. You're already laying conditions to protect your daughter. And you're saying, even before they get married, that he has ulterior motives. If that's the case, they shouldn't even get married. Because when the Bible, the Bible is very clear, and for women who earn more than their husbands, listen. The Bible says, and God blessed them both. He didn't say God blessed Eve more than Adam. He didn't say God blessed Adam more than Eve. He says God blessed them both and told them be fruitful and multiply. So whoever makes more, as long as you are one, God has blessed you both. My husband, when, when, before he went to, to, to heaven, he, after he finished his PhD, he got a job at Baylor as a scientist, skin cancer research. He was making, I mean, good money. Then I was in nursing school, not making anything. Then by the time he got called into ministry, he was a pastor here for seven, eight years. He didn't make a salary. I finished school, did my master's. When I got my DNP pro program, I started my practice, and I'm doing, I'm, I was, I'm doing well. My husband was, at, I mean, for years, I was the only one bringing in, an income in. He didn't make anything. The church couldn't pay him. We built our house. He, I mean, but you will never see us. All of you know us here. You, money was never an issue with us. We still had the same account. 
He, he will tell me sometimes you, you, you spend too much. You, I'm looking at this thing. You're spending too much. Then I'll, I'll, I'll get myself together. He managed the money. There was never a time, oh, I, I make more than you, so you have to bow to me. You, that was, that's nev- was never an issue in our home. And so if you have to realize that even if you are the, as the woman make more than the man, it is because you are together. The, the conflict, like I said last week, if your conflict in the home is down to almost nothing, God will bless you. I promise you, God will bless you because then you can pray together. Because the Bible makes it very clear. The prayers of families are hindered when there is too much conflict in the home. We'll talk about that. The Bible makes it clear to the men. It says your, your prayers will not be heard if you maltreat your wife. If you teach her, it says treacherous. And that word is hard for me. Treacherously. <laughs> I did it. So if you treat her bad, your prayers will be hindered. So marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. And God instituted the covenant. And in any covenant, there are different things to read. And I want to go over that before I go to headship. Now, five elements. Let me read Malachi chapter 2. I kind of related to that. Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 and 15 to 15. It says, and this is the second thing you do. God was telling the, the, the people of Israel why things were so hard for them. Why they were not getting breakthroughs and manifestations. And, and they were wondering what's going on. He had already told them that because they are keeping back their tithe and their offering. He said, because of this, the devourer has come into your finances. He said, the second thing you do... After finances, it says, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore. So even if you give your offering, your tithe and your offering, he will not regard it because of this thing that God is going to talk about. He says, he will not regard your offering nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? You told me to give offering and give my tithe. I'm giving it now. You're still telling me for another reason? He says, what reason? Because, the Lord says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt. You have helped me pronounce that word. Thank you very much. Yet she's your companion and your wife by what? Men, are you listening? Your wife is your wife by covenant. Not by contract, not by an agreement. You are in a covenant relationship. And the word says, but he did not make them, but did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? We are talking about the mission now of of marriage, of a covenant. He seeks godly offspring. There's so much in in this. That's why I said I'm going to take my time. We're going into February, the month of love. We're going to deal with a lot of things. He says, therefore, take heed to your spirit and let not deal what? With the wife of of his youth. It can't be clearer than that. Five elements to a marriage covenant. Like all covenants in the Bible, we have the Davidian covenant, we have the Abrahamic covenant, we have the new covenant that we have with Jesus and us. The marriage covenant has the same elements. The first thing is that the marriage covenant came from God. Was origi- it originates from God, was established by God. It's not a man, no man originated it and no man can change it. No man can go back and say, God, this covenant you made between a man and a woman is supposed to really be between a woman and a woman. Or it's supposed to be between a man and a man. He came from God, and God is the one that sets the rules and sets the, everything, parameters, he sets it. It was God's idea. So marriage, the covenant originated from God. Number two. The marriage covenant has a mission. Actually, in a marriage situation, it has two of it. We already kind of alluded to it when I read that Malachi chapter 2. 
When it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her, that's a mission there. So the first mission of marriage is that the man, you love your wife and your wife submits. And I'm going to tell you what submission means. And your wife submits to you. That is supposed to reflect the lordship of Christ and the response of the church to Jesus. We are not forced to respond to him. We respond to him because he loves us and sacrificed for us. Jesus doesn't come and command us to love him. No. Naturally, we just love and submit because of what he's done for us. And then it says here, so the twofold mission of marriage is to have, reflect the union of Christ and to produce godly offspring. Now, godly offspring, if you are not able to have children, he's not talking about when God says, go and replenish the earth. He's talking about spiritually as well as physically if you have children. But if not, you can, repl- you can replenish the earth by being a godly person and introducing what you know and making sure the, the kingdom of God, what you know about Christ, doesn't die in you. You replicate it before you leave the world. And you can do that with people that are not your children. You can do that with people that are older than you. But as long as they are your spiritual children, you can actually do that with them. Amen? Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 in the uh, Good News Translation. It says, didn't God make you one body and spirit with her? He said, what was his purpose in this? It was that you have children who are truly God's people. So make sure that none of you break your promise to your wife. Amen? Amen? Then number three, the marriage covenant brings blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29, uh, verse 9 says, therefore... Keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. So blessings and prosperity comes when we keep the covenant according to how God wants it to be kept. And some of the blessings of marriage is companionship, because the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Your Bible also says a threefold cord is not easily broken. So you, your wife, and God holding you all together, you can do a whole lot. The Bible also says one can put to flight 1,000, and two, you should think it would be 2,000. The Bible says two can put to flight 10,000. And it's talking about spiritual life there. When a husband and a wife are able to pray and seek the face of the Lord and fast together, you are able to do a whole lot more in the spirit than just one person trying to do it on their own. So those are some of the blessings of, of, of marriage, of the covenant. And the Bible also says is that a man, as alluded to it, it says whoever finds a wife, it says you obtain favor from the Lord. And then number four, the marriage covenant is generational. Women and men, listen to this. God, every covenant is generational. That's why you call God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't just end in Abraham. And one of the reasons God blessed Abraham, God said, the blessings I bring upon you and I call you my friend because I know that you will pass on the ways of God to your children. And so please, it's not about you. So if you're a married couple here, what have you passed to your children? Have you passed griping and and fighting to your children, when your children grow up, do they have an example that you've shown them how a man and a woman live together? Those are the things we don't think about because we are all so selfish and self-centered. It has to be about me, what I want, what I prefer, what you should do for me, my happiness. No, 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 no. You have children watching you. The other day, about three months ago, it hit me so hard. Every Sunday, my children saw my husband. He fills my gas. He washes my car. He does the grocery shopping. He cooks in the house. He does the dishes. He do- I was spoiled. About two or three months ago, I noticed that every Sunday, when I leave church, on my way home, 
Omar calls me and says, Mommy, I'm on my way to HEB. What do you want? And I said, It just dawned on me. I said, It's because before he saw his father do. Every Sunday, this boy goes to HEB and buys the grocery I need for the week. Everybody knows what I buy is bread, corn. What was the third thing? <laughs> Coke Zero, right? It's bread, corn, and Coke Zero. I can live on those three. So every Sunday now, he knows I'm going to say, except very few occasions, he will buy tissue paper and all of that, and everything we need to clean. But every Sunday, like a clock, between 12.30 and 1.30, he will call me, I'm on my way, or I'm at, at H-E-B, Mama, what do you want? Because he saw his father do that. He saw his father do that. Man, your children are watching you. You want to live a, a legacy. You want to live godly offspring. The marriage brings blessing and it's, it's generational. It is absolutely critical that we recognize this, that marriage is not about your happiness. Marriage is not about, oh, my needs. She's not meeting my needs. He's not meeting my needs. And so I'm going to get divorced. No, it's about what you're leaving behind when you die. And if Christ tarries, if he doesn't come 100 years from now, none of us here will be here. But what have you left behind? That's why I said, if you bring the conflict level and if everybody take their position in the home, we are not, we are not women. We are not women's lib. We are not supposed to do things like the women in the world. Everyone, every covenant has responsibilities. God has his own part to play. We also have our own part to play. And if you play an umbrella, if it's rainy, I put it under me, I know I'm not going to get wet. But if I come out from that umbrella, guess what? I'm going to get soaked. The same thing, that covenant is your umbrella. Make sure you're under that umbrella. You're operating under that umbrella. Your children, we thank you for it. The world, we thank you for it. Why do we have so much chaos and rebellion in young children? Do you know, I, 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 I work in the psychiatric field. Anytime now I see a young man or a young woman come in with tattoos all over their bodies, with ear piercings and nose piercings and lip piercings and tongue piercings, and their hair, one side is one color and one side is another color, I don't even have to ask. When I'm doing my history and physical, I can tell this boy or this girl is angry at that. And that's their way of showing their anger. And that's their way of, when they rebel, they're angry because the father was not there. Or the father did not do what he was supposed to do. Have you watched the basketball games and they want to, they win and they say, oh, who do you want? Everybody's thanking mom. Only, only, uh, what's his name now? Uh, the one that, the, uh, Michael Jordan was the only one I've ever seen that thanked his father. He's the only one. I've never seen a basketball player, you give him that microphone to thank whoever, they, nobody mentions daddy. They are mentioning mom. Go to the prison and see what's going on there because of absence of fathers. Or fathers that are just having babies all over the place. Being a father doesn't mean you brought the child into the world. It's so much more than that. It's supposed to be generational. You forget, you sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed for us. Was it fun for him to leave heaven and come to this earth? When my husband passed and I saw the glory on his face, who's, go tell him to come back here now. He's not going to want to come here? Do you think it was fun for Jesus to leave that and come to this depraved world we live in? But it was a sacrifice. That's how men are supposed to sacrifice for your wife. The Bible says you should love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Which brings me to headship in marriage. Like I said, marriage, the fifth one is marriage has responsibilities. I want to introduce headship in the three minutes I have left. Like I said, the responsibility is the man. The Bible says the man is the head of the home. In my village, growing up, we killed the chicken ourselves. And I was an expert in one of killing the chickens. (laughs) 
And sometimes you take that chicken, another person holds the head, and you take that knife and you cut the head off, and the chicken starts flapping, you drop the chicken because there's blood everywhere. That chicken without the head is all over the place. All over the place, eventually falls down. The Bible says the man is the head of the home. Without a head, there's no direction. And so if a man doesn't give direction, if you go to a home and there's so much chaos, there's so much fighting, there's so much conflict, it's because the head is not doing what they're supposed to do. Because when the head is in place, there's direction. When the head is in place, there's guidance. When the head is in place, there is leadership. When he talks about head, he's not talking about commanding. He's asking you to give leadership, to give direction to your family. The husband is the head. The husband, it means that your husband must have a mission. When he talks about submission, your wife is supposed to bring a sub of the mission that you already have for the family. So the man is supposed to have a big mission and your wife just come in because she's just a rib. You are the one God is holding responsible. That's why when God came back after Adam and Eve fed, you always wondered why God never said Eve. God gave all those instructions to Adam before Eve was formed. Eve, Eve was, was following the headship of Adam. If Adam had taught her what God said to do, she wouldn't eat that fruit. So that's why God said, Adam, where are you? He didn't talk to Eve. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't talk to Eve. Yes, she had the consequences of bearing a child in, in hard labor. But God held Adam responsible. Because it was not the head of the home as it should have been. When you see a man angry, throwing stuff, screaming in the home. Ah, you are not respecting me. You are supposed to submit to me. What is your mission that I am submitting to? Give me a mission and I will sub it. If you don't have a mission, what am I supposed to sub? And the way, vacuum, there's never a vacuum in marriage. Because you have things to do, there are responsibilities. Somehow, somebody will take leadership. And so when the head is not having the mission, guess what? The woman naturally will step up and take the leadership role. She doesn't want to. I promise you, no woman wants to take the leadership role in a home. Because our craving is to be loved and cherished and protected. Every woman, no matter how strong they look to you, every woman wants to be protected. Every woman wants to be sheltered. Every woman wants to feel secure. And so a woman who steps up to take the leadership role in the home, it's not, it's, no woman wants to be the one waking the children up, let's have devotion. Every Sunday morning, screaming, let's go to church. Oh, let's fast, let's pray, let's seek the will of God. You are the head, that is your job, man. It's not the woman that should be telling you to go to church. As the head of the home, you are the one God is going to help, hold responsible for how your family turns out. You are the one to sit those children down. Let the woman do homework if you cannot do the math. Because I know when it gets to fifth grade or so, some men don't even, they can't figure out that math. That's fine. But when it comes to the things of God, I was, I was the one helping with, let me not go there. When it comes to the things of God, after dinner, sit them down. Do your devotion. Pray with your children. Let your children see you coming around the room in the night and praying and laying hands. Oh, oh, okay, that's that. Praying for me. Let them get used to you doing that. There is so much value when a child grows up knowing that daddy prays for me. When a child knows that at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, they hear the garage or whatever, the car. Oh, daddy's going to church to pray. Or Sunday morning, everybody, oh, well, it's not even, a, it's not even debatable. That is what a head does. So when you're talking about the head of the home, it's not for commanding the house. It's not for saying I'm the boss. No. That, the headship means service. Headship means sacrifice. Being willing to do whatever it takes for your family to turn out good. Being willing to do what it takes for your wife to feel secure and safe with you. 
Okay, 12.03, stand up to your feet. We're going to continue, like I said. We're going to talk about how your, your, your wife, like I said, this is not male bashing. Please, I hope you understand this. I feel like I can really talk, because I was married for 30 plus years before my husband went to heaven. So, and I, and I, I married a good man. You all, know, you all knew him. He was the best. He was the, the creme de la creme. And my children, I see the way they serve God today, the way they love, and it's because of what they see him, saw him do. And we all can, I mean, men, we need to, I'm not saying y'all are not doing it, but it's good to be reminded of some of these things. Amen? Amen. To know what we are supposed to do. And women, don't, I'm coming for you too. Because <laughs> some of you are bulldogs with lipstick. We're going to come to the women, but I want to take my time. I don't know how long this, this series will last, but I want to take my time. So that at the end of the day, each one, you fulfill your role with joy and your peace. And you let the peace of God, the Holy Spirit can walk into your home and do what he needs to do. And bless you and manifest things in you. I tell you, the success I've had in business, if not my husband, I would not. Because he, I knew, he, he prayed, I mean... When I was going back to school, we already passed us. He already had a man. My business was doing well. I said, I need to go back and get my doctorate. I mean, we were doing homework together. You would think he, he, was, he was a nursing person. Why, why would God not bless homes that are peaceful? So this year, as we say, is a year of manifestations. The, what God is telling me is that your home has to be a, a place of manifestation as well. Manifestation of peace manifestation of joy oh happiness no conflict husband loving wife and and wife submitting to the husband everyone doing their part and the children coming home not running away from home father we thank you this morning father we are, our ears are open to you our eyes are open to you and our hearts are receptive Father, there is no one here who is perfect. Every marriage has to go through trouble. Your word says it. But God, you still instituted the, the, the covenant of marriage because, Lord, you have a mission, you have a purpose why you did it. Father, if we have taken our eyes away from that, if we have been influenced by the culture, and we have begun to think of marriage as something as the culture, as the society defines it. Lord, would you forgive us today? Would you forgive us today? Turn our hearts towards you to do it the way you would want us to do it. Father, I just want to thank you for the men in this church. I thank you that they are men. They are men of passion. They are men of God. They are men of stature. They are men who love you. Father, teach them by yourself. If there's any way we have fallen behind, oh God, they have fallen behind, just help them to catch up again. We thank you, Lord God. Father, as we leave this church today, we are not leaving your presence. You will continue to speak to us throughout this week on this subject. And you begin to change things in our lives, both men and women in the home. And we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. If you are here, I want our prayer partners to please come out. We never live here without giving you an opportunity to come out to be prayed for. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just come out. Let somebody agree with you and pray with you. If you need healing in your body, if you have anything going on, you want someone to agree with you. The Bible says there is power in agreement. Someone will agree with you in prayer. So please come out. Let's pray for you. Amen. And if you don't need prayer, will you raise your hands? Let me bless you for the week. Father God, I bless your people. Father, let your favor go before them. Let your favor go behind them. Let your favor surround them as with a shield. You are blessed going out. You are blessed coming in. No evil passion against you will prosper this week. Everything you let those hands to do this week will prosper in the name of Jesus. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Be blessed going out and be blessed coming in. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Amen.
Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah.